0: So imagine if all your emails had solutions to all of your problems. That's essentially what ABM does, is just finding and doing research on what your problems are and just being that helper and
1: providing a solution at the right time. The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast.
2: Hey guys and welcome to another episode of the B2BMX podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Claudia. And of course, ABM is always a uh, hot topic for Demand Gen Report and B2B MX. So it's good to have another expert on tap to chat with us. Uh, today, we have Sydney Switzer, who is an ABM or account-based marketing consultant for Vertex Marketing Agency. So she has a lot of experience chatting with other B2B brands, practitioners, companies of all sizes, really, as far as developing their agency. ABM strategies, and really putting their campaigns into place. And Claude, I don't know about you, but I felt like she had a great perspective around ways to really scale ABM, especially around personalization specifically. She has some really fascinating examples and takeaways.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And in, at the end of the day, ABM is really all about targeting specific audience. So why would you even attempt to batch and blast and, and have that kind of generic messaging, right? So personalization is so key, as well as alignment and al- having alignment across the organization. So that's another thing that she touched on that was really fascinating. And she had some really great insights, I mean, for both people that are new to ABM or and even veterans. So this was a great conversation. And let's just listen in and- And and check it out because I think the audience is going to love it today. Hey, Sydney, thank you so much for taking the time out to chat with us today. Oh my God, I'm so happy to be here. I've been a fan of the
0: B2B Marketing Exchange podcast for some time now. Definitely look to it for some guidance. So I'm really happy to be here.
1: Awesome. So good to hear. So let's just kick things off with, you know, let's have you share a little bit about Vertex Marketing and the work that you do at the firm.
0: Absolutely. So again, my name is Cindy. I'm from Vertex Marketing Agency, and we're actually an agency that helps B2B companies implement an account-based marketing strategy. So we work directly with sales, service, and marketing teams to better align their efforts and just teach them how to target, attract, engage, and measure on the account level.
1: Awesome. And obviously, you know, ABM is just a hot trend right now, more of a, you know, must have these days. So how has adoption or interest really accelerated, especially over the past, you know, like couple of months now that we're in this work from home environment?
0: Yeah, well, maybe I'll start by actually explaining how we got into the field. So we were actually a marketing agency that we just offering, you know, traditional funnel marketing for small businesses, usually local businesses. And I mean, it was working there. But as we started entering a new market, we kind of found out that the problems at the B2B level are different than at the B2C. And as the companies grow in size, the departments become very specialized in what they do. And they don't really need help with an agency to do their marketing. So, but what we did discover is that there's actually this huge gap between sales and marketing teams that really no one was addressing. So the B2B funnel is actually... Pretty broken in terms of alignment, the way teams are working, and just how they're measuring things. So we saw this huge disconnect. We did some research. Uh, this is a couple of years back, and we just found account-based marketing was this really God-sent solution that answered all these problems that we discovered while talking to these larger companies. And we just decided to help these companies because they really did need this solution. So. One of the main reasons adoption has increased in the past couple of years, I think the number one thing is that the knowledge and the marketing around it has definitely increased, right? So even a couple of years back, if you looked for anything about account-based marketing, there wasn't wasn't really much about it. So now there's much more information. More people are talking about it. They're talking about the success about it. And there's definitely been a shift in the last couple of months, and especially with the amount of education. So- A lot more companies are either diving into it or looking up account-based marketing, especially with COVID hitting because ABM leaders from all over the world are now hosting these events online. They're even offering ABM courses for free. And for those maybe who were looking into ABM but maybe didn't have the time or the budget to attend these events or maybe buy those courses for their team, I mean, now they can. And they can do it from the comfort of their own home and for free, right? So... Everyone does love free things, and I'm definitely excited to see where you'll even progress in the next couple years or months
1: from now. Awesome. And what about just common challenges? Obviously, there, there have been challenges in the past and, and some are still kind of continuing on. So in terms of the areas that B2B organizations are still struggling with, is there any kind of variance in terms of, of company or team size or even budget size or anything like that? What are, what are some key struggles there? I would say
0: definitely the struggles that they're facing is mostly right at the beginning when they're trying to implement account-based marketing. And it's definitely important to look at, I mean, the root cause of why they're facing this struggle with ABM. And I think one of the biggest things it has to do is just their current paradigm of how the funnel works. So companies who aren't doing account-based marketing, they have this very very set idea of what the funnel looks like, you know, marketing starts with the leads and sends it over to sales. But there's four parts that are actually really broken in that funnel, and in turn, create a really difficult transition into account based marketing, the, which are I mean, the number one is alignment, and just the way teams think about their goals, even the qualification process and how they're just measuring their success throughout the funnel. But I think one of the biggest things to address here is just the amount of education that's needed about account-based marketing and how it's, it's really just at the foundation of creating a successful program. Because if everyone understands the foundation of it, then they can begin to make their own personal mind shifts and actually contribute to the program and just add new ways of doing things. So education is a number one thing to always address when implementing account-based marketing. But when it comes to alignment, Something that sales and marketing teams have always struggled with is that alignment between sales and marketing through collaboration. Right. So marketing is generally focused on the quantity strategy and is lead based, which is actually completely opposite to sales and which is account based and is focused on closing deals that are in the middle and the bottom of the funnel. So there's already a disconnect here. And I mean, contrary to some beliefs, alignment isn't just knowing who is in sales and who is in marketing and having a Slack channel for the teams right i mean it goes way way beyond that it's about being aligned on the customer's journey and collectively deciding what the objectives are what the outcomes of the campaign are what the goals are and really working together on how they can contribute to the bottom line just both teams and in terms of difficulty and team size i mean we always recommend teams to start with a pilot program because it's much easier from the beginning to start with a small team doing it and just t- kind of test out the waters but as they are deeper into their implementation of account-based marketing, I think that they'll definitely face other problems. And one, one way to investigate whether your teams are aligned is to ask yourself this question. Is marketing sending leads to sales? In most cases, they are. Now, do you have a lead executive or do you have an account executive? In most cases, you're going to have an account executive, but marketing is still sending leads. So that's your first red flags that they're not aligned and both should be working on the account level. So a lot of times we actually do ask these, even teams who are already, you know, quote unquote, doing account based marketing, but the marketing is still on the lead level, whereas sales is on the account level. And there's just this huge disconnect there.
1: Very interesting. And now, you know, talking about, you mentioned collaboration and kind of obviously going beyond just having a simple Slack channel. So are there any other tools or just other strategies that are working for, you know, say some of your clients or anything like that in terms of maintaining that alignment and collaboration, especially now that we're all working from home and everybody's, you know, separate?
0: Absolutely. I think there's definitely ways that you can run meetings in particular to really align sales and marketing teams and making sure that you're just constantly Constantly going over goals and seeing how everyone is contributing to the bottom line. In terms of tools, I mean, I think every tool needs to be wrapped in a strategy. And if you don't have the alignment right from the get go before you're even implementing any tools, then the tool is not really gonna give you what it wants, right? So one thing that we work with our clients is creating either a revenue team or a leadership team. And they're really kind of the leaders of that ABM program. They're really communicating between all of the teams and just making sure that everything is on the right track, but just making sure that everyone, making sure that everyone is on the right track and aligned. So that's that's a really great way to keep alignment. And also another one is um, just the way you run those revenue meetings and aligning our sales and marketing teams by actually making you know activities that they can do together that either are related to the company or not.
1: Very interesting. Any other tactics within ABM that, that you're kind of seeing really driving a lot of interest right now, especially with field events and conferences kind of being out of the picture right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, I say this a lot, but I definitely want to show my gratitude for the inventors of the internet because although we can't have events in person, we can be hosting them online. I think online events are definitely taking taking the lead right now. And even though we can't have them in person, we can have them online. But one way that you can kind of make that online event a little bit more fruitful is, and something that we love doing, is virtual gifts. So for, I mean, many anticipated events have been brought online. And one tactic like I said, that works really well is the digital gifts prior to the event or even just a meaningful conversation. I'll just use an event as an example. So, uh, let's say, for example, that I'm hosting a webinar specific for this group of target accounts that I want to come onto this webinar that would normally be in person. Well, typically, if it was in person, you'd be allocating some of the budget to those guests anyways, right? If you were to meet in person and to even attend the event, that that costs money. But you can allocate this budget that you had instead to send the guests from your target accounts, let's say an Uber Eats or a DoorDash credit or gift card to a nearby coffee shop. And they, it'll just encourage them to go either grab a coffee or grab a meal before the webinar just to make it a little bit more fruitful as a little bit more fun and it like, kind of gives that in-person experience, even though you can't have it. And it's actually really minor. It's pretty inexpensive. But like I said, it's kind of just makes it a little bit more fun. So I think that's a really great uh, kind of tactic to be using.
2: Yeah, that, that makes total sense because I know we're always thinking about ways to level up that virtual event experience because, I mean anyone can do a webinar. We're actually seeing more and more people try and pivot and, and create a digital event experience. So we're always thinking about what can we do to add value to that experience or, or that feeling of surprise and delight, whether it's through a gift card, like you're saying, which is, is awesome and, and probably quite a bit cheaper in comparison to, say, paying for the food for an event at a resort or anything like that. But You know, even like little dropships, you know, little gifts that they can unbox and make it feel like they are a part of the experience and personalization can play a great role in that. So that kind of leads me to my key question, which is around new developments around personalization for ABM. And, and there are so many different ways to slice that, whether it's through, you know, personalized email, personalized ads, those personalized, you know, direct mail initiatives. So what tactics do you believe are most effective? You know, what examples have you seen that have been extremely effective in the way of, you know, driving those ABM goals and results?
0: Yeah, you can definitely see success at a lot of different parts of the funnel, like you kind of just mentioned. Um, I'm just gonna go through it kind of like as if they were going down the funnel. So I mean, in the awareness stage, what I love about account-based marketing and just being able to market on the account level, it means that you can personalize your ads, based on the title, the role of the company, and even personas to make it way more targeted and just increase chances of actually resonating with that ad you're showing to that person. So for example, let's say I'm showing ads for an ABM consultant. So typical ad copy might be kickstart your ABM program with Vertex. And right, like, I mean... I'm telling them what, what I want them to hear, but it doesn't really speak their language. They don't really know what that means. And that's what you see most of the time, right? So, but I want to tell them something that they want to hear that will make sense for their personas and what their roles are in the company. So for example, for the marketing persona, it might be, how do five hypergrowth companies run their ABM program? For a sales persona, it might be, see how five teams close more deals with ABM. Or even for a CMO persona. How did five marketers show their work with ABM? And just add a little bit more personalization to their title in the company. I mean, it hasn't, this is right at the awareness stage, so there's not too, too, too much personalization, but it just shows that it's a lot more tailored to their specific needs, the roles in the company, and really catches their attention a lot more than if it was just kind of a generic ad, right? So now let's say, for example, they click your ad and they're on your website or your landing page. Really effective tactic that I love is just personalizing the content that's on their page. So that could either be on the recommended, this is what we recommend for you based on their title, or it could actually go as far as creating dynamic content on the page that changes based on the user. So the content will change based on the company they're from, their job title. I mean, just to name a few, and it could be as, as small as one word, like their title or a whole paragraph that would get shown to, for example, let's say someone from sales lands on your website, on the landing page or the website, a different text would be shown to them versus someone from marketing. So I think that's really, really effective and just speaks to their le- needs a lot better. And it can even go as far as creating personalized URLs or pearls. So for example, let's say I was engaging with the B2B Marketing Exchange podcast. Um, you're one of my target accounts. I might change the URL on this landing page to vertexlovesb2bmx.com, right? And you see that it's just super unique. And really what B2B marketing is about is just being unique and doing things that other people are not so that you're standing out, right? Right.
2: Absolutely. And and that that kind of leads me to my follow-up question, which is around expectations or pre-existing notions of what personalization entails. I mean, we're hearing it more and more, right? Personalization is is far more than, hi, insert first name here. So uh, have you had to kind of guide a lot of marketers, a lot of clients through this process, through this mindset of what the different layers or or levers of personalization could be because I really like how you showed like a few different tiers of what personalization could be whether it's like in foundational messaging for personas or to that dynamic content or pearl level which is a bit more intricate and account specific so has that been a learning process for a lot of your clients I'm not
0: gonna lie. I actually had two more examples of personalization that I was gonna. Can I just say those? Then we'll follow up. Follow up with this question.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, cool. So I'll just pretend that personalizing stand out. So a bit further into the sales cycle. Now let's say they've booked a demo. Earlier I mentioned like the virtual gifts, but this is definitely a time to use it. So you could take a photo of the person who will be getting on this call with this target account, and take a photo of you holding a coffee mug. And with a photo editing software, you can put their name on that coffee mug, send it over to them via email, and also in the email you can include that virtual gift to that coffee. So I kind of just put in context where you could use that also, and that's a really powerful way of decreasing no-shows. If that's something that uh, you know your company is struggling with, and then even one step further, once you get on the on the demo, one thing that you can do. As so a really kind of very minor, but it's, it's really fun to do, is using a personalized virtual background on Zoom. So you can use any photo editing software and include your logo and their logo on a solid color, then upload it to Zoom as a virtual background. And now when they got on the call, they're going to see the image that you created of the two logos as your background instead of you know maybe the back office or a plain wall and like I said, it's it's really minor, but it just makes a really big impact because now you're starting off the conversation on a light note. They're probably laughing and smiling. You can make a joke that you painted the wall, and uh, yeah, we've we've gotten nothing but positive feedback on that one. So. There we go. That was, that was just the two other ones there.
2: <laughs> no, no, I love that. And I love seeing companies get really creative with the Zoom background. So that is not only a great example, but also very timely. So obviously, a lot of different applications, a lot of different levers or, or layers to the personalization approach. So whether it's, you know, more buyer-focused messaging, like at the persona level, or that more getting very nitty gritty specific to that particular account that you're trying to reach and engage which kind of speaks to the reality that personalization is so much more than, hi, insert your first name here, like, you know, so many marketers have been doing for a while now and relying on that. So have you had to kind of educate your client base? And I guess the broader B2B landscape, you know, through your thought leadership, has that been a key educational talk track for your firm as you try to like shape the narrative around what successful personalization is? Has that been a process for you?
0: Yeah, definitely. Educating on on the fact that B2B marketing and, and sales isn't just about the amount you can get, but it's about the the quality of the conversation that you can create, right? So ABM is really about creating that meaningful relationship with your most valued customers. So it's kind of like a friendship. So think about your most valued friendship. They don't only know your first name, your last name, and what job, what, what your job is, right? I mean, I hope not, <laughs> because anyone can find that information on the internet. It's, it's going the extra step and creating that successful personalization that's going into building account intelligence and actually investing time into finding these key aspects to maybe even like their personal life that you can include in the marketing and the sales journey. So for example, a really good place that we like to start um, when we're educating our clients is their LinkedIn profile. So you can find a lot of information there, especially if it's up to date. Hopefully it is. But you can find their interests, their their hobbies, maybe if they've been featured on a, on a podcast, if they're doing any new activities. And you can use that information to further personalize the journey.
2: It just makes it a little more personal. I love that. It goes to show what a little background research can do, how getting that context can really be valuable and, and applied in, in different ways. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot of unique cases and, and examples of not just personalization or digital events, but just like ABM programs and activations in general. I think because so many brands have had to pivot. It's almost inspired them to take the lead, figure out what ways it can really stand out. So my question for you is, because of this, how do you think the ABM landscape will Evolve or accelerate as a result. Do you think the guidelines for success or the ingredients for success will, will change or level up a bit because you know th- there may be a few more cases of, of really cutting edge or innovative approaches coming to light.
0: Mm-hmm. Just a to touch on the last thing that you said there, just about how companies are going to find new ways to kind of personalize. I kind of like to think of it like this. I mean, I always when we're educating um, our clients on how they can like personalize and really find a solution for their problems is like, imagine if your client could wake up every day and actually be excited to open the email because they know that the person sending that message to them actually really took the time and invested time into researching what their problems were and really providing a solution. So imagine if all your emails had solutions to all of your problems. That's essentially what ABM does is just finding And doing research on what your problems are and just being that helper and providing a solution at the right time, right? Now, in terms of if if we reverse engineer kind of what the impact of COVID-19 will have on the economy and just everyone in the B2B space, everyone is kind of saving on budget right now. They don't really want to spend their money. They're being more wise about that. But sales teams still have a quota to hit. I mean, it might be reduced in some cases, but... In most cases, what their managers are telling them to do is just to make more phone calls, send more emails so that they can hit their quota because they need to make money for the company because that's what drives growth, right? That's that's what they need. But with more emails and more phone calls being made, really the your inbox gets filled up your voicemail gets filled up and i think the need for personalization and to really dive deep into that your customers needs is going to increase and i think a lot of people are going to be looking to a solution which in most cases will be account based marketing to kind of look for that solution is how can I do research or how can I send this email that's really personalized to this prospect without sounding spammy, then they're going to realize that they need to start with a set of target accounts because if they're just doing research on all of the leads that they have that they're being thrown, then it's not really going to work, right? So I think more and more teams are going to realize that they need to personalize, they need to Start with the list of target accounts so they can allocate their budget properly and they can just work together rather than segregating their, their departments and their efforts on closing the accounts together. I think the benchmark for success is definitely going to increase. I think a lot of more companies are going to be implementing it because of the success that it sees. And yeah, I'm, I'm actually really, I'm really excited to see how, how it's going to evolve in the future.
2: So next question for you, then, since you were talking about communication interaction with the target account, a big part of that is, you know, how to how sales build and nurture those relationships, right? So like you said, kind of going to people's LinkedIn accounts, getting some context, obviously, LinkedIn is a huge channel for B2B, and especially LinkedIn in mail is being used more frequently as a way for people to kind of initiate those conversations. But of course, with that, with the fact that it has been so effective for so many companies that obviously leads to it being more crowded. So what ways do you recommend SDR specifically, in what ways do you recommend they reach out or engage with target accounts so that they not just stand out, you know, because it's one thing to kind of get that immediate attention, but get that engagement as well. I mean, and it could be across LinkedIn, email, like the, the typical channels, but like from a communication standpoint, what best practices do you try to point folks towards?
0: Yeah, I think it's all in the way that you're using the platforms, right? They can definitely get filled up. They can get kind of spammy. But how are you positioning your message, right? So um, LinkedIn, for example, email is really powerful. But one, one feature that we really like to use is the voice message feature. Now, we know that I don't know of any other automation software that can automate your voice and send them over. So it kind of creates that sense of real personalization because you know that they took the time to send that message to you. It can only be used on mobile and always making sure to finish that the message with kind of a call to action or something that they can take away from it that will benefit them in the end. So not just, hey, happy to connect. Uh, for example, hey, really happy we were able to connect. Maybe state a reason why you decided to connect? Did you see them on a podcast? Did you did you see something that they recently did and you wanted to comment on it? Just creating like sparking a conversation that will actually get them to reply and have that conversation. And yeah, that kind of the call to action is just like the, the conversation, getting the conversation started. Another one is, I absolutely love video personalized videos that can either be kind of templated or just very personalized where you actually take it for that one person. But that's a really great way to just either reply to emails if you're kind of trying to stand out because, I mean, everyone's Everyone's getting emails every day that are just typical texts, but if you can send them a video of you replying or just talking about that certain subject, it makes it a lot more powerful, a lot more personalized, and kind of just keeps the conversation going. Um, We've kind of had feedback on those kind of personalized videos before where they've actually sent it over to the rest of their team just because they thought it was such a great idea and it was so unique. So yeah, personalized video is amazing and also LinkedIn voice messaging.
1: I love those examples, especially now, you know, you really want to just seem authentic and human, really. So even if you have, you know, you share a quick video and add it into your email or anything like that, and really deliver that kind of customized customer experience, try to say that five times fast, because I can't. Um, But yeah, I I love those ideas. And and video has been, you know, especially on our end, too, I've, I've, I've seen a lot with, with how marketers are really taking video to the next level, especially during this time and the personalization. And it, it doesn't go unnoticed, that's for sure, by the recipient. So just in general now, like what lessons have you learned working with with companies around implementing ABM that, that you could share with our listeners? Do you have any final tips or, or takeaways or just best practices in general that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah,
0: for sure. One thing is definitely that ABM is not an all or nothing type of thing. Um, A lot of companies right now are doing inbound marketing and they're kind of like looking to make that switch. But one thing that they should note is it's not all or nothing, that they should be working simultaneously at the same time, especially in the beginning phases to kind of make that transition, right? So you don't want to go cool turkey on your inbound strategies and kind of frazzle everyone. You want to start with a little pilot program, a couple of people who are willing to do it, who are really looking into kind of guiding the rest of the team um, towards that once that pilot program is finished. And yeah, just, just starting with a small group before you go on to the rest of your team. And another thing that we work relentlessly with our clients and is a really, really important is really digging deep into accurately identifying what an ideal customer profile is for your company, what the cost to acquire is, like what the propensity to buy is, because if you really don't narrow down what that ideal customer is, Essentially, your entire program falls apart, right? So this is something that we really, really emphasis on. And there's actually a strategic way to going about it, right? It's not just, hey, guys, what's your opinion? Who do you think is an ideal customer profile? Or just asking one of your departments because, I mean, sales is going to tell you, who their ideal customer profile is based on the amount of money that they're going to make from it, but not really taking into account maybe how many support tickets they're sending in for the customer success team. And marketing might know who is most likely to convert to an MQL, but maybe not know how much actually monetary value they're going to bring to the company, right? So it's getting everyone's input, looking at data and really defining who that ideal customer profile is so you can find your targeted accounts and build your program accordingly. All right, so that's, that's a huge part.
2: I love that. I love that you, you called out, Cindy, that ABM isn't just an all or nothing thing. I think some people get so bogged down by the fact that ABM could be such a big initiative. And and there are so many great examples, of course, of companies that are trying to target hundreds or thousands of accounts. But I mean, even like small and medium sized businesses, in a lot of ways, they are already doing ABM to some extent, or, you know, are doing highly tailored marketing, but they don't think They're doing ABM because of just, I think, a lot of the market perception, um, you know, thought leadership around ABM, a lot of emphasis on, like, the big stories, but I think knowing that you can start small and scale over time and just make sure everyone in your company is bought in and are aligned on the accounts you're targeting, the approach, you know, and aligned on, on results and how to improve over time. Like that that's really the key to success. So I'm glad you you made that distinction. I think this has been a, a fantastic conversation before we let you go, Sydney. Um, we've been Doing a bit of a uh, quarantine lightning round for all of our guests, doing a combination of some personal questions, some professional questions, just to close things off in a light and fun way. Uh, Would you be down to do it with us? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So a few personal questions. What are you watching right now?
0: Well, really, what is my boyfriend watching? I don't really watch TV (laughs) that often. If he's not here, I'm not watching it. But right now we're uh, hooked on The Office.
2: Excellent. A lot of nostalgic TV watchers that that we've been talking to, which I always love to hear. Do you read for fun? And if so, what are you reading right now? I'm more of like a listener.
0: So right now I'm listening to an audio book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I'm actually just in like the last 30 minutes. Great book.
2: Great. Well, this is a good connection to our next question. Podcasts. What are your favorites and which ones would you recommend for any marketers?
0: Absolutely. I actually my first podcast that I listened to was the Social Media Marketer. That's kind of where we got I got into it right at the beginning um into social media marketing and podcasts now that I'm really into definitely this one. B2B Marketing Exchange podcast. I love it. And I'm also really into health and fitness. So not super for marketers, but I think uh, mindset and just your personal health, personal fitness is super important. And what I'm listening to is The Model Health Show by Sean Stevenson. I love it.
2: Interesting. Never heard of that. And I'll have to check it out. So... Next question. How are you staying inspired and immersed in your work? And this could be, you know, very direct connection to, you know, learning about new trends, or I think to your point about staying healthy, you know, being fit, getting outside and know that helps me uh, kind of clear my head and and get reinvigorated and re-inspired in my work. But what's resonating with you right now?
0: Yeah, right now, being quarantine, having a lot of time to kind of take up a lot of new things. I have been. I'm learning how to DJ. I just bought a DJ course.
1: Wow!
2: A couple of
0: weekends ago, I was sewing some clothes that needed some hemming, making some new uh, t-shirts and getting into a little bit of like healthcare. care product making so whenever I feel like I need to take a break from something I can take it I can you know I can go and do my DJ course for a couple minutes or a couple hours sometimes and then come back to my work and I'm a lot more refreshed and I'm ready to like take on the next task right so I think it's finding other things to do other than your work to really stay inspired.
2: Love that. Claude, I think Sydney's our most uh, diverse uh, guest that we've had so far in terms of uh, interests. Yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. I've taken a few uh, DJ
1: classes years and years ago at, at like these special, like, DJ schools, I guess. And then they're so cool. And I've always wanted to kind of continue that. So I love that you said that. I, I might have to email you after this so you could send me that course and maybe yeah, I'll check sure. it out myself. Or
2: we'll put it in the show notes for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Everybody. <laughs> it's Everybody's really a great. DJ. So Everyone's <laughs> yeah. a DJ now. Awesome, Sydney. Um, So to close out, because you kind of come to the table, not only as a marketer yourself, but someone who works with other marketers and guides them, what final tips or, or words of advice do you have for everyone listening right now that that may be looking for inspiration or, or just some guidance as far as, you know, where to put their chips next?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just to be different. When you see everyone going one way, go the other way and just be unique, stand out. And in the B2B space, I find it a little bit easier to kind of be quirky or do things really differently. Like, you know, making personalized videos that maybe, uh, let's say, for example, a B2C consumer might not appreciate as much as, you know, marketers or salespeople who are in those fast-paced environments because they're so used to seeing all of these, these spammy emails and just these generic emails all the time. So really standing out and really being different is really what's going to help you thrive. That's my advice.
2: I love that. Yeah, we're, we're big proponents of taking some risks, trying some new things. And if you can get a pop culture reference in there, you're, you're okay in my book. So exactly. I yeah, totally exactly. agree.
1: Yeah, I mean, B2B really, you know, people may associate it with not as fun or, or creative as, you know, B2C counterparts, but B2B doesn't have to be boring. And that's something that I try to constantly remember. Yeah, I love that.
2: Awesome, Cindy. Well, thanks again so much for uh, taking the time out to chat with us today. It's a really exciting space, ABM, and and like you said, I think a lot of the new trends, tactics that are rising to the top right now. um, It'll be fascinating to see how this space continues to evolve, and hopefully, we can touch base over the coming months. You know, once things hopefully, you know, knockwood start to somewhat get back to normal, things starts to start to open up a little bit more. We can have a regroup and see if our conversation really comes to light and some of our trend predictions come true it's, it's really been a pleasure sydney
0: i love it thanks so much for having me on here today you guys are so fun to talk to and uh definitely i'm i'm so excited to see where marketing in general is going to be taking the next steps i think this this pandemic is going to change a lot of things so i'm, I'm really curious to see how
2: it's going to turn out totally thank you sydney oh, thank you guys And thanks everyone out there for listening. If you have any feedback for us on this episode or any ideas for topics or guests that we should have in the hot seat like Sydney uh, next, um, feel free to drop us a line on Twitter at B2BMX. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe already. What are you waiting for? You can uh, do so on any platform that you use to listen to your podcasts. Thanks again, everyone. And uh, stay safe, stay healthy and stay sane. See you next time.